You are listening to a production of the Toe Network. This is Laser Knees number 88, Pedal to the Floor. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Dino Knight Sentai Ryu Soldier, Episode 3, The Cursed Gaze, and Episode 4, Dragon and Tiger, The Max Speed Battle. Our writer, again, is Yamaoka Junpei. Our director for these episodes is Nakazawa Shoujo, and Nakazawa Shoujo is a pretty common name on both of our shows, but yeah. as it's his first time directing for Ryu Soldier, it is what we do to remind of who he is and his history with the franchise. Um, and Nakazawa is a pretty prolific Sentai director who made his debut with episode 45 of Time Ranger back in 2000. Man, that's a heck of a time to make your debut. Yeah, um, and he's directed at least a few, because uh, his early couple of shows, I think he's usually a, between like two and five, but generally it's somewhere around like 12 to 15 episodes of pretty much every Sentai since Time Ranger, with the exception of Kyoryuger and Q-Ranger. And starting with Kiva, he's also directed just handfuls of Kamen Rider pretty regularly, but not every year, all the way up to Build and Zio. So he's kind of all over the place with Toei Tokusatsu. Um, he's just a regular, and he did some good stuff in these episodes. Yeah, he really did. Well, these are continuing that thing where Ryu Soldier is a gorgeous Sentai series. Yeah, it really is. Um, but before we get too far into how this show is actually a lot of fun, uh, let's let's just get our bad stuff out of the way so that we can talk about the good stuff without reservation. Okay, so this is more of an issue of context and the placement of this episode in the overall order of episodes rather than anything wrong with the content. But I feel like the core plot of this episode, namely Ui's insecurities and that she's the one birthing the Minosaur, would have benefited from being not episode 3? <laughs> Maybe closer to episode 10? Just, you know, give us a chance to get to know her and to see the Ryu soldiers getting attached to her. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad that wasn't just me, because, again, like, I also enjoyed what was there, but I feel like we don't really know Ui well enough for the, the look-at-me thing to turn into the kind of knife-twist move it feels like it could have been, and and would also make the, the threats by our new heroes feel all the more awful, because we'd be more attached to her. Yeah, um, is Asuka her name? Her name's not Asuka. Asuna. Asuna. Asuna's reaction to the situation and her declaration of, you know, Ui's her friend and she can't let her go and she can't let her do this was very sweet and very moving. It was a great, beautifully realized moment. But Asuna's known her for like three days. Yeah. Give them like a couple of months together and I feel like that moment would be be even better. And we've never really seen Ui be insecure, especially not about wanting people to care about her or her vlogging. She's always just been 100% about it, and we've never really had indication that people aren't watching her videos. So her feeling like lonely and desperate to have people see and recognize her work feels a little out of left field. 
And I guess I get why they chose to do it now, because they can't really work Toa and Banba's mindset as a conflict of, we'll kill her to get rid of the monster, at episode 10, when they're part of the team and not seeing things that way anymore. But also, they could just not have that be part of this conflict, I guess. Like... If that's their mindset, she would know about them doing that from past episodes and could just kind of come to that conclusion on her own and be like, oh, well, if I do this, then that'll get rid of the monster. That's the only way I can help as kind of this delusion of her depression. And then you could even have Toa and Bamba be like, who are now, you know, them as part of the team who've kind of changed their perspective on things, be like, hey, no, we were wrong and that's not a good way to deal with this. You're our friend too now. We don't, like, even we don't want this. I guess the point is, like, the writing of what happened, I feel, was really solid and a very respectful portrayal of how being depressed can cloud reality to the point of no return that Ui stood at the literal and metaphoric edge of. But I think more time for both us and the Ryu soldiers to know Ui would have benefit would have been a huge benefit to this plot line. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm just gonna plus one the thing where that you said at the start, like this isn't even bad writing. It's just a weird place in the overall continuity to put the ep- this episode, because yeah. Also, man, I, I I know we're probably going to talk about it a little bit later, and but not linger on it because, whoo, that's heavy. Uh, her standing on that figurative and literal edge, that was another one of those bits where I'm like, dang, Ryu Soldier, what the hell? Yeah, Ryu Soldier doesn't play around. No, it does not. It seems like ev- it's... I, I look forward as the series goes on to seeing if it really is, like... Literally every other episode, like every odd-numbered episode, it's just going to be a bit where you're like, what, are we doing that? Anyway, moving on into things that I guess are kind of, maybe not bad, but are are also not things we entirely liked. Yeah, I, I also wish the Ui plotline had been bumped down the line a few episodes to make some room in this episode, 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 uh, <laughs> um, for... The whole Melto and Trikin don't know how to get along plotline. Um, and for that to exist at all beyond the sort of three seconds that it happened in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it just, it got completely glossed over. I don't even really understand if he was talking down to Trikin, but I guess he was. And... I hope it's something that in a few episodes, once, you know, Banba and Toa both have their Dino Knights and are part of the team properly, like, Melto has to go back and address that. Like, Triton's willing to come in and help with the the fights, and he gets the Melto wants to help people, but he's like, you gotta show me proper respect if I'm gonna be your friend. Yeah, dude, we ain't bros. I will help, but we aren't friends. And that, like, I honestly feel like that would be a lot of fun to see. Yeah, because I feel like there's something about Melto that we don't know yet. Like, I can't quite put my finger on it, but his character design feels like it's hinting at there being some secrets about him. And having him not really knowing how to interact with his Dino Knight felt kind of like a bit of foreshadowing towards that, given that Mm. the other two, and even Toa, were all just like, yeah, 
Dino Friends. What up, Dino Buddy? And it's just, I feel like they could have done a lot more with that, because there's a lot going on in this episode. Like, we've got the Melto and Trikin thing, we've got Ui's insecurities, and we're introducing Toa and Banba. And the the thing with Melto and Trikin, like, that's a big deal, but it just kind of gets lost and forgotten. And I know we appreciate shows that don't pull their punches and try and get in as much as they can, but those are all, like, big, important things, and maybe we should kind of take it one thing at a time. Yeah, no, same, because... I appreciate the pedal to the floor thing they seem to be go- going for, but for once, I-, I worry they might be trying to go too fast, which is not really a bad thing for me, because I-, I like my the hyper-dense narrative. At the same time, I don't want to see them go like mid- and late-series Common Rider Ghost, where everything in it is still in, like, the heart's still in the right place, but they... They clearly had to do a big old rewrite, and they didn't know what they were doing, and the showrunner disappeared for a while, and it was just... It was a well-intentioned mess, and I don't want that for Ryu Soldier. We've had enough well-intentioned messes in Sentai in recent years, frankly. Yeah, and it may have been what was killing the franchise a little bit, so... Which, you know, when you put it that way, yeah, I get it. (laughs) But dang, like, still, I I know we had this discussion back during Lupot. Lupot was some good Sentai. Yeah, it was. Um, so I get why Bamba and Toa seem to follow this kind of one life for the sake of many idea. Like, I get that that's where their head is, and I can kind of see how they would end up with that. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't really work when literally any person on the planet could be used to produce a Minosaur. If your plan A is kill the person who birthed the Minosaur, and the Druidon create a Minosaur from every person on Earth, then you've literally done the hard part of their job for them. Like, the Druidon are not particularly invested in the Minosaurs. If they could do this without them, they would. Like, the Minosaurs are not one of them. They're just a means to an end to kill off humanity so that they can then take over the planet. And I guess Bonbo and Toa see it as a sort of stop the problem at the source, but, like, you're still one step away from the actual source of the problem, which is Kureon. And boy, uh, like, having had mushrooms just near apartments of mine... Like, one of them just sprang up overnight, which, like, I didn't realize at the time that's just a thing mushrooms will do. Oh, yeah, they just appear. Yeah, it was, it was like, a six-inch tall mushroom. Just, like, shoomp. Yeah. And, like, I, you know, we tried to kill it. It didn't work. No. It just came back. Honestly, I'd kind of like it if, like, mid... Like, I don't wish bad things for Kureon, but it's just that thing... I. I don't want Kurion, like, I want Kurion to be as unkillable as, oh goodness, what was the name of the, the, octop- the, the octopus squid lady in... Oh, uh, Monaco. 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 Yeah. Just, I Just want them without to... Without all let... the unfortunate implications that came with that. Yeah, ooh, that would be very bad. But I just, I want Kurion, like, if the Ryu soldiers actually kill Kurion, pop... Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> funny thing. <laughs> Spores. 
That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't have to. I'm an alien. Bye. Like, it's just, their their whole mindset saves a bunch of people in the short term, but given that any of those people could then be used to produce another Minosaur, and then thus they would go to kill them, like, the logic doesn't really work as a long-term plan. No, it does not. But then I guess that's sort of the 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 thing they're going for with those guys. I kind of hope we actually talk about that. Yeah, no, it is something that they kind of have to grow out of and be like, hmm, yeah, doesn't really work. Yeah. You, and also, I like that we're, we're talking about the just, just kill them solution as the childish nonsense that it is. I, I like that that's clearly a thing they're going to have to grow out of. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a bad plan. It is. It is it's always the bad idea. It's literally the thing the villains want. It's the thing about, like, uh, terrorist people, or occupiers, or what have you. you know, the sorts of things Japan has dealt with and been dealing with for a while now, or, or has dealt with in the past, where it's just like, okay, so if you get to, ah, uh, just kill... And that'll solve the problem. Direct action. Blah, 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 blah. Well, not direct action, because direct action can also refer to, uh, uh, like, direct democratic action. It, but you know what I mean. Like, violence to the source, it, it doesn't help because, like you're saying, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't solve the problem. It just puts it off and does the bad guy's job for them. Which, of course, is a thing that terrorists often talk about doing, because that's how you wage asymmetric war. Yeah, you, you, get the, you get the powerful people, you drive them into a frenzy, and after a while, they'll just devour themselves in order to try and get you. But you don't care, because you're, you know, a terrorist cell, and you just say, Oh, you're trying to be absolutely safe forever. Haha, <laughs> that's not a thing, though, you see. Anyway, sorry, uh, that was... Everybody take a drink, Aleph went political and dark. That's two drinks. Ah, <laughs> uh, double shots. Also, I hope that eventually Asuna gets to use her big strong to slam dunk Bonba through a dumpster for ignoring her. Especially if he's gonna, like, keep doing it. Because it's yeah. one thing to want to, like, handle the Minosaur situation by yourselves, because you've always, like, you've just been training for this for so long and these other guys have been doing it for, like, six hours. But, like, Bomba, you don't gotta be rude about it. Yeah, no. And also, here's the thing, she hasn't really pink-stronged anyone in mm, about three episodes at this point, and uh, Bomba is kind of being a butt, so, like, I'm not saying, like, I know that this is getting dangerously close to, uh, uh, oh, goodness, I'm terrible at names this episode. Gokai Yellow. Oh, Luca. Luca, thank you. Like, it's getting close, but it's it's. He is still different. in the wrong. If she were to do slam this dunk him because, into a dumpster, slam dunk him into a dumpster because he is being aggressive toward her, that's self defense. Luca just like punches Don on the regular, and he's not a threat to her at all. No, no, he's really. Not. And that's kind of that's kind of the thing. Don is never really in the wrong. Like, Luca punching him is the one putting her in the wrong. Where, like, Asuna doing her big strong on Bonba, he's in the wrong here, so... Yeah. It's not quite the same. No, it's not. I just... 
it's one of those things that that I get very sensitive to, especially when you know you're very online, like I can be. Uh, a lot of people when Discord when when like those sorts of discussions happen, they don't draw the distinction. And yeah. I just thought, hey, we're gonna we're gonna draw the distinction right here because yep. because you know what, if if she if she big strongs Bonba because Bonba is pointing his sword at her because that's how he relates to humans. Uh, eh, he might learn a thing. Yeah, no, he may, you know, if that's what, if slamming him through a mountain is what it takes to get him to not point a weapon at random people in order to make a point, maybe that's what it takes. Yeah, and look. And we'll all have to live with that. Some, look, I, I don't like it, but at the core of the genre is, yeah, some people, mm, you kind of have to beat sense into them, or at least beat the nonsense out of them. And that's just sort of a genre thing, and, you know, we can have our thoughts about it, but thing is, if dude keeps being a butt, he's gonna get got. <laughs> yep. Just, he's, he's, like, he'll just be talking some crap at her, and she'll throw him into the stratosphere, and he'll be like, I saw the curvature of the Earth, and also I think I was in space for a second. And she'll be like, yeah, I know, that's why I only threw you with half of what I can do. Yeah, I only threw you with one arm, you know. Yeah. I didn't want you to go into space and die, I just wanted you to learn some respect. But uh, anyway, let's just move on into the good stuff, because there's a lot of it there. So I'm so happy that everyone names their dino friends. Yes. Like, they all, every one of them names their dinosaur in these two episodes, and I love it. Anki Rose is cute. That's a cute name for a cute dinosaur, and I love it. Triken is a fun little pun of a name, and I, I enjoy it. Even if, you know, it and Tiger Lance are both a little bit on the nose, but I don't care. They all got names, and everyone is just happily being friends with their dinosaurs. Like, even, you know, Toa and Bamba even pointed out, they're like, you know what? They didn't tame them. They're just hanging out with them. Weird, but let's do that. Yeah, same. It's it's really nice. Also, I just have to say, Tiramigo and Anki Rose, top-tier dino friend names. Absolutely. They're just, they're great. Mirror Needles, just like right underneath, but it's... It's got that sort of literalist thing going that. Mm, it's, I'm not not. Please explain to me the pun there, because I'm not getting it. Like my brain well, just, is just not a hundred percent there on it. I th I'm not I'm not a hundred percent either because I'm not entirely sure what kind of dinosaur it is. But I, keep, I think just like, I keep feeling like it's like a Stegosaurus or something. That's what I thought, but then it says it's, needle, and I think, yeah. See, I gotta get a better look at him because we haven't gotten yeah. a good look at him yet. But it's like it's just a nice name. I don't know what it refers to, but eh, okay. We'll get there. Yep. Triken, again, that one's pretty literal. <laughs> Triken, three swords. Yeah, that's what's going on. That's that's what his face is. Cool. And Tiger Lance. That sure I, is a tiger with a lance stapled to his side. Yep, that's that's what's going on. Like, look, like it's not a great name. It's still cute as hell, though, so... I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just... I mean, also, like, it's Toas. Yeah, no, that... <laughs> he is he is a hyper-literal little garbage boy, and I love him. Yeah, he's awful. He's great. 
Anyway, uh, moving on. Also, I love this Minosaur design. I mean, as it is, I'm a sucker for Gorgons. Mm. I love me... Because Gorgons are awesome. I love me any kind of snake lady. Mm. But I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that even though she's got eyes on her chest, there's no, like... She doesn't have, like, boob eyes. Yeah. Like, it's just a... Her chest is just a big ol' Oni face, and there's nothing inherently sexual about her design at all. And I need it on record how, like, grateful I am, especially after that other lady in Q-Ranger, the one from the Naga arc. Oh, yeah. Mm. Where, like, uh, I just straight up couldn't deal with that. And even Madoko kind of had it going on. Like, she had in, she in, had like, a weird boob thing going on, too. Yeah, and then, like, in the later, her later iterations, really, like, mm, no, you're kind of playing that up. Stop. So, like... The absolute, like, non-sexualization of this Gorgon monster was, like, the greatest. But also just her design is really cool. And whoever's doing the Minosaur designs is doing some great work. Also, I love that they all have a tail. I don't notice that, but good call. Like, she's got, like, this big snake tongue for a tail. And the, the horse guy just had a horse tail. And uh, the squid guy has, like, a squid tentacle for a tail. They've all got a really distinct tail that kind of bounces around and i just it's a detail that i really dig because it's a weird point of consistency but it's a neat one yeah it's like it's it's this weird detail that ties all of the designs together even though they're all so vastly different they've also all got like chest faces yeah some of them work a little better than others but but it's it's they've got these cohesive ideas in their design that make them all feel like they're the same kind of thing mm. that are just being created in different ways. And I'm I'm down with that. And I hope same. that continues. Agreed. Especially since it, like, like the first Minasaur we saw, I was just like, oh, this is straight up Ultraman. And as, you know, we've been, we're moving away from that straight-up Ultraman stuff, so I'm glad we're getting a different, but also related sort of details for the, the latter Minosaurs. Because, I mean, it makes sense, because I think that one wasn't made out of a human. Yeah, it was, was just it? one, no, I think it was just one that existed. Yeah, but just, it's it's a neat thing. And so instead we're getting we're getting the designs that, feel like they're cohesive in that way, but in some way they always call back to the human they're based off of, and I just think that's clever. Also, I probably should have had an explosion about this in the first episode of our coverage, but I'm going to do it here. I just love the name, because it it sort of invokes dinosaurs and the concept of negativity, or alternately subtraction, because they are subtracting energy from the humans, and also they invoke the Minotaur, because you bring up the Gorgon. Also Minotaurs. Well, a Gorgon, not the Gorgon. Gorgon's a family. It's, But yeah, it also brings up the Minotaur, which is like, of course it is, because that's supposed to be the unbeatable monster that our heroes have to puzzle their way through. and that's Which, that's... Was, which was birthed from a human. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I didn't even get the Minotaur connection until you brought it up just now. I just got the, the dinosaurs and negative feelings bit, but... That's a good call. Yeah, they're they're going really deep with their theming here. It it really feels like 
when they had the okay, let's save Sentai council meeting, they were just like, no, let's just go. Let's go wild and deep. Which is how I want them all to go, really. So as I kind of implied, or maybe even sort of directly said, I feel like I should have reservations about Banba and Toa, given their leanings towards uh, murdering folks. Little things. But also I'm kind of fascinated by them. And I think I'm able to be because the show is pretty solidly placing them and their view on what they should be doing in the wrong and positioning them in a place to kind of learn and grow out of an unhealthy view that was either taught by their mentors or that they developed through the trauma of losing their mentors. That uh, the opening theme and maybe one of Bonba's lines in episode four makes me assume that they have. Mm. You know, time will tell, as the way the show treats them when they're supposed to be in the right is going to be the deciding factor. But given how Toa was written once he was supposed to be in the right in episode four, um, I'm not super worried. Yeah, same. Because, like, they they frame it as making uh, an, an intro for these outsiders, and, and they have to draw the point of... of contrast between Ko, Melto, and Asuna's Three Musketeers, right? How are you going to do that? Well, they're cold, they're aloof, they're jerks, and also, they're murder-happy, which, it, it just puts everyone on different levels, and levels that, I have to say, it seems that is going to be a lot of fun to watch them delve into, because just in these two episodes, Toa and Bonba really make you feel like they've got a lot of stuff going on under the surface. And and it's not that the place that they're coming from is better, and, and indeed, it, it's clearly framed as horrible, but instead, there's it's a conversation we're going to be having over the course of the foreseeable, anyway. Next few episodes are going to be talking, hey, here's why you can't just straight-up murder someone, even though, like, I, I hope everyone just understands that there are you you just shouldn't go around killing people even if you think it's the solution to a problem but i i just i gotta believe that we're gonna be having this long conversation that's gonna be bringing these scary people into being proper sentai members which i mean that's great because i love when the gur hardcore murder crew comes to understand the value of all life not just like winning the math game or whatever because, ah, yes, this is the the sacrifice of the one for the many. But like you said earlier, Sono, uh, <laughs> do that long enough and you're just killing everybody. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work when um, sacrificing one for the sake of many just opens up room for another monster to happen. Oh, hey, they killed that one. Okay, well, I'll just go make another. Like, look, all those people, they've got tons of trauma now, which is negative emotions that we can make a monster out of. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle. Wow, I say that out loud. This series could go really dark, and I don't know if I should expect it to. Because it is certainly shown that they're not afraid to. Who knows? But I don't know. Also, I, I do adore Toa and Banba being passive-aggressive, frequently bordering on actually aggressive, and Ko just steamrolling past all of it because time for friends, new 
new Ryu soldiers are here. Clearly, they're we're a team now, best friends. Like, he's got a little bit of that Kisaragi flair, and I can appreciate that. Same. Same. I mean, although I, I will say small point of contention, I would definitely say they're aggressive-aggressive more often than they're passive-aggressive. But but that's that's really more of a matter of personal thing. I just I just wanted I just like talking about aggressive aggressive as opposed to passive aggressive. Honestly, just more than anything, I feel like Toa is just this fascinating little monster child because he is so gung ho on murder time fun time, while at the same time playing up being all like detached and above it all because he's so clever or whatever. And uh, I'm you know I'm watching him and I'm just like oh right. That's who I wished I was when I was like fourteen. Uh no. It's it made for some some awkward watching. Fun. Nonetheless fun, but I'm just like, oh no, I would have thought he was the best when I was fourteen. Uh. Also I know we're supposed to, you know, continually take it as Bonba making threats, but I'm kind of just assuming that he uses his sword to point at things because he doesn't really know any better. And that's, like, his only way of drawing attention to stuff. Because that's about 80% of what he does in these two episodes. Yeah, no, same. Because for all I get, the Bonba really is supposed to be read as, like, the more threatening of the two. Because, not for nothing, that dude got a lot of presence. And he looks, like, he's very good at looking threatening. But at the same time, he reads to me more like the guy who's just very bad at peopling. And has learned that you can cover that up with an a with just an air of vague menace, which uh, just Banba and Toa are my teenage years, and that's just awkward <laughs> and kind of painful. And it's going to be very nice to watch uh, my teenage years like turn into my adult years when I kind of got over myself. I mean, as much as I can be said to be over myself because I'm still kind of an egomaniac. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so the conversation between Ui and her dad is really heartbreaking. Yeah. It's a really well-realized moment, especially for a Sentai. Because, like, I felt like I knew what was coming, especially when she's like, I'm sorry. And I couldn't really believe that's where we were going with this until we were there and she's in front of that safety rope. And, like, speaking of that, like, the scene of Ui and and Asuna at the quarry is also, like, gorgeously shot and acted. Yeah, it is. Like, the fact that Ui went to this place that held really, like, special, joyful memories of her and her father doing something she loved to try and take her own life is gut-wrenching. Especially since, you know, now her having all of those memories, what that brings her is this feeling that she's just not as good as her father or the other people in her life. And that's such a horribly accurate picture of what depression can do to a person's thought process. God, yes. (laughs) Which is why, again, I feel like seeing her slowly and even subtly struggling to shine the way she sees the Ryu soldiers do even as in reality she is, and the Ryu soldiers grow to love her as one of their own, over the course of, you know, ten episodes, would have brought so much more to what was already an incredibly strong, moving, 
well done scene. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. And and again, going back to what we were talking about before, for all I do wonder if they aren't trying to do much do too much at once, which again, way better than spending a long time doing nothing. Like you gotta respect the craft. Even if even if I'm not sure about the pacing, I gotta respect the craft. Cause even if I I definitely agree with you that it would work better later. If they could use it as a way to as a way to like springboard Uwe's development and keep her stuff centered, or or just to get more stuff for her to do as the series goes on, which for the normal, that is often a thing that they lose because, yeah, the Sentai has most of the plot to do. So I just, I, I think I'll be eager to forgive the the weird placement of this bit because the writing seems confident, even if I have some differences of opinion about what works where. But that confidence makes me feel like they've got a plan for Ui, and that makes me happy. Is just so happy. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> As long as they keep her doing stuff, like, again, this was not badly written or badly done. Yeah. So I can live with it. Yeah, exactly. Like, the biggest complaint is, oh, this would have hurt more if they did it later. Why Why didn't you hurt us, Sentai? <laughs> uh, it's, it's weird to be in a place where I'm, like, demanding Sentai hurt us more. They're just so good at it. Yeah, they really are. Because it's friends. Also, the, the plan to break up a bunch of asphalt and reconstruct it over the Gorgon's eyes was a great plan. Yeah. That was that was a brilliant move, and I really hope we keep seeing great uses of the, the little dinosaurs or whatever they're called. Like, in neat combinations like that. Because there's a lot of ways to get creative with it, which I find exciting. And it's also great for getting kids to use their imaginations while playing with these toys. Give kids yes. that playability. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially since, honestly, they're kind of hard to play with because you just put the thing in the sword and make it munch. and that's uh. So give, give kids, like, okay, and then you do this, and I'll do this, and that'll destroy the monster. And, like, that's that's fun. And And also, I just appreciate that there's something so poetic about covering the gaze of a Gorgon, or, again, depending on how you do things, a Medusa, because it's fun to call vampires Draculas. But, you know, there's only one Medusa of the Gorgons, and that's that's me being a pedant. I'm done now. But I, I like that they're just covering her gaze with stone, because she usually turns other things to stone, and that's just, that's just clever. Also, uh, it's good to see that bad... Stone person CGI in action yeah. once again, but they it looks better than it does on Zio. Yeah, which, you know, admittingly that's not saying much, but I mean it it looks about as good as any other time they've ever done it. It just doesn't look as bad as it does on Zio, which is all I ask. Because boy, it looks that's real because, bad on Zio. I feel like because in Zio there's so there's such a big thing of it. Like, yeah. there's so much in that one statue to look at, and it's just like, oh, it's really obvious. Mm. So that that last bit of Ui hugging her dad while he obliviously rambles about soy milk, 
and was just super sweet. And then, you know, the, the I'm home and he pats her on the head. And it was a, a real sweet moment. And a hug isn't going to cure your depression. But knowing people care about you can be some nice help in the short term. And I think Ui, who is probably grateful that she didn't make such a world-altering decision, was just happy to still be there to have that moment. And, like, not to get too real or personal, but who am I kidding? That's what we do. Like, I've been dealing with some stuff, though thankfully not to that extreme. And, like, it was just kind of comforting to see someone come out the other side with a mentality of, this is real and it's hard, but it's gonna be okay. And I've got some people that I can lean on if I need to. Yeah, that... And that is such an important message. And and look, hey, since uncomfortable realness is kind of a part of our brand, like I've been kind of in and out of, again, not quite that extreme, but I had some pretty rough wiles to the point where uh, I am now entering my second month of depression-related medication, uh, and I seem to be lucky in that it's not messing with me too very severely, <laughs> which, like, one, like, I'm just bringing that up because depression solidarity, <laughs> like, mental health problems are, well, they're, they're problems. They suck. They're not fun. But also, like, I bring it up because a part of me wonders if the show's not trying to find a genre and demographic appropriate way to talk about this stuff to help reduce or remove some of the stigma because... And again, this is like second and third hand, but I've I've often heard it said that mental illness carries a really heavy stigma in Japan that is at least comparable or worse than the one president in the United States. And that, of course, how do you compare those things? I'm not trying to say, ooh, Japan bad, America great. Oh, I'm not saying that, but... I've often heard there is a stigma, and this was a really sensitive way to talk about it. Because Ui's going through some stuff, and she went to a dark place. And she came out of it, and she's not 100% back, but she's she is back. And she's gonna have a chance to repair, and that's beautiful. And okay, okay, uh, everybody take a drink, because I'm about to go real dark. And I'm I'm real sorry about that. But if we are to take this as, as Ui kind of having a longer term, you know, more like depression, the thing that is your brain chemistry not being great, as opposed to depression, the thing that happens when things are bad, admittingly, you're, anyway, that's, but it, it does bring a certain level of something <laughs> to how the first time we see her is in Aokigahara. Yeah, I thought about that a lot uh, after this episode, and if she's something that's struggling with regularly, I can't help but wonder how often she's filming there and, like, where her brain is sometimes, because, man, yeah, it, I I thought about that. Yeah, it's, it is a weird level. I'm not, like, I'm not saying she's out there doing a Logan Paul or nothing. It's just, 
hey, man, like, she's trying to, to process her feels through this thing she cares about, e.g. Blogging, uh, vlogging. And, honestly, like, a depressed person working out their depression by being in this place where a lot of people have have lost the fight to depression, I, I don't know, is that a judgmental way to put it? Because I don't, I, I don't mean it like, oh, they lost, bleh. Because... I mean, the, th the thing about really deep depression is, like, sometimes you can outrun the bear. And you outrun the bear for a long time, and then sometimes you don't outrun the bear anymore. And it's not, like, anyone's fault, it's just, it is a very persistent bear. And I'm not trying to be glib. And, and please understand I'm not trying to, like, LOL suicide, because no... It's just it it it's a subtle thing that is also really heavy, but also makes a kind of sense because yeah, if she's this really depressed person and you live near Aokigahara, <laughs> yeah, maybe you go out and you know talk about stuff there. I mean, it it honestly makes me even more curious to watch her vlog channel, not because I particularly enjoy the spectacle, because there's this thing. Okay, I'm sorry to just kind of babble on, but. There's this this line that is so hard to define between like darkness tourism where like crappy edgelord teens just want to be like ha huh, someone's talking about darkness and they're all depressed and let's laugh at how in pain this person is versus oh hey this person understands the pain I'm going through I'm going to listen to them be in pain so that maybe I won't feel so alone in mine. And I'm just sort of spinning out because it's, it's a neat angle and it's, it's deep. And I have to give them credit because after three or four episodes, I feel like the character is deep enough that I can just project out from there, I guess is the thing I'm trying to say in the worst place to talk about it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uwe's good stuff. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what we do with her. And she's got a really interesting, like, umbrella metaphor going on in the opening theme. Mm. And I'm just, I'm really, it feels like this show is going somewhere with her and that it knows where it's going with her. Yeah, and I want to see where that place is. Same. Again, it was episode three, and they kind of just punched us straight in the heart guts. And then they're just like, oh yeah, it's episode... And our complaint was, oh yeah, it didn't... It would have hit us harder if this had happened in episode ten. Which, again, like, maybe it's good they, did, they just did this up front, you know? That's fair. Because <laughs> maybe in episode ten, like, if we'd, if we'd kind of kept all those little hints going, hmm, maybe they'd be terribly uncomfortable. Yeah. Which, like, is saying something, because it was kind of uncomfortable here, too. Yeah. Uh, we're getting back to the good stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. Sorry, that's right. We're talking... Look, again, the craft of this show? Top-notch. Yeah. It's... And speaking of, I hope that the show keeps doing amazing things with its sound design. Mm-hmm. Because... Going into episode four, the way that the music stumbles and falls out as Ko offers to help Bonba and Toa, like, find their Dino Knights after they'd mercilessly patronized him. 
like this thing that they need and they're like oh well, we don't need your help we're fine on our own and he's like oh no i can do the thing that you guys need to do in order to not have to you know be committing murders all the time and the yeah, music just like you get that that like stumble where all the music all the instruments kind of just like stop mid-note and it's incredible and it added so much to the dead stop of that moment and I've really got to hand it to the folks handling the music on this show because that I feel like that's not a thing that I've ever seen done. Where the, the music, it's instead of just stopping the music, they made a version of that track where the music falls. <laughs> I I certainly can't think of it if, if they have done. Because, like, look, even if I don't entirely adore all the songs themselves, because, like, look they're not too huge or good, which is an unfair standard to hold anyone to. But the way they use the music is, like, it's incredibly good. Honestly, the way they use a lot of... They have a lot of good stuff going on all over the place in this series, and I'm... I'm again, I'm glad they decided to pull out all the stops. Like, Sentai should be nearing death every ten years or so, just so we can get something big and bold and made with love and care and craft. Like, Ryu Soldier, which, boy, saying that out loud, it makes me so afraid I'm gonna have to eat my words later on. I don't want to do like that that uh, top model bit that everyone always puts up now and again. How dare you? We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. It look if they tank it, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go find that speech. I'll memorize it. That's how we'll open the show. So I really. But love... yeah, the the music is the the. I'm sorry to go back to what you were saying. The sound design, top-notch. It really is. And I love how, even though a lot of this episode is Ko and Toa, like, dueling, heavy air quotes, their duels are just, like, child games. Like, who can do a cooler cut paper thing? Except we cut the paper with swords and it's leaves that were falling as we did it. Like, it's such, it's so goofy. Epic childishness. It, like it, it, it just makes so much sense, but also just kind of fits into the larger plot of the Minosaur being born from a guy who wants to play with his kid. And I also just kind of love how exhausted Bamba is by the situation. And putting these two in this really goofy light as we're starting to move them onto the team, really, it... It gives the audience room to warm up to them and gives them kind of their niche in the tone of the show where, you know, Bonba's the serious one, but also he's still going to be involved in goofy things. And it's just, it's, it's very good. It is. And, and it, like you're saying, it, it's going to give us a nice smooth transition into whatever their roles end up being. Because they show up in one episode and, and they're on the murder squad. Then they dial it back a little in this episode, because they might be down to murder, but we find out, hey, they won't murder just anyone, especially when they find out that that anyone might be this kid. And at the same time, we, like, let them be the big brother and his weird, super smart, well, or at least super smart acting little kid brother to help that, you know, they, they're still a sharp edge, the pair of them, but it, it gets dulled a little. But not so much that you forget that yeah they are the they are this weird sharp knife dropped in the in the show, 
honestly, for all we opened the episode talking about how maybe they're trying to do too much at once, there's still a lot you can learn about how to write serialized fiction just watching this show. Because even if it is too much, they still that do that too much with an ease that really helps it go down easy. Like, it's it's really strong character writing for the title cast, with the exception of Melto, because, again, like, him and Triken, they just they didn't have the time to do that subplot. But, I mean, that's, like, the ones... Well, okay, there, there are a couple things. Anyway, I just think it's a very good show to watch forensically, because you're like, how are they achieving all of these things? And I think it's very instructive as someone who's interested in, in like, writing things. So much like the Gorgon Minosaur, I love the squid Minosaur. Yeah, um, but the designs on this show are so solid. And it's really rare to find a show where both, where like the team suits, the monster suits, and the robots are all pretty dang good. Like that robot maybe isn't in the top 10 of all time, but I'd at least put it in the top five of like post Gokaiger or Sentai, and that's not bad. That's not a bad spot to be in. Not even a little. Like it's not a bad looking robot, all things considered. It is not. Like, it really should be a lot worse to look at. It, it should be one of those ones like Tokuja where you're like, ah, okay, you make it look pretty good in the show, but then I look at the toy and no. I, I've looked at the toy. And it looks pretty good, honestly. But okay, you bring up Gokaiger, and all I want is for there to be an upgrade for uh, the, the Dino Knight Rex, where he gets to put on a hat and, like, adjust it on his head, because that was always my favorite part of, of the Gokaio transformation. I just want I mean, everyone to have a dumb little hat. Yeah, you remember it's, how it's... excited I got in X-Aid when Taiga got a stupid hat. Oh, he, yeah, his stupid uh, admiral hat? Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. The designs on that show were so awful, and yet I love them so much. Oh, yeah, no, Snipe is the worst thing I've ever had to look at with my eyes, but I love it. Okay. Um, and, and speaking of the robot, it was only in episode four that I noticed the way that Overtime translated the combined robot's name, because it's, it's Kishi Ryuo, uh, O, of course, uh, being a common suffix, uh, which he used to designate a king, and Overtime translated that as, like, okay, it's Dino Knight Rex, which, I mean, that's brilliant, because the Tyrannosaurus Rex is, of course, the tyrant lizard king. Rex means king. So they just, they found a way to do that, and they, they pulled it back to the dinosaur theme. And that's, that is honestly some very clever, top-notch translation or localization. However, you know, that's, it's kind of a semantic difference, and, and even then it's very... Anyway, I just think it's very clever. It is. It's, I appreciate what they did there um also i don't know if we ever talked about this uh, i'm not even talking about this on the right show because this is i'm about to explain the it. pun of of zeo uh because zeo would be written with g uh and g is time yes like so i geo I knew his name was time king yeah his his name's just time king he's common writer time king and uh 
I continue to find that hysterical. No, it is is really it's so bad it's great. Ah, oh, Geo. Love that terrible, terrible show. Maybe it'll yeah it, it's anyway, we'll talk about that on on the Uncommon Cast R X. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to Zio next week. Um, cause man, there's gonna be some things to say. Yep. <laughs> A thing that I didn't notice until episode four of Ryu Soldier was that all of the little soul keys, or at least the transformation ones, have different weapons, which is neat. It's nice to see that they put in a little more effort than just doing the exact same mold in different colors. I, I confess, I missed that. Good catch. Yeah, they've all, like, pink has a hammer and blue has, like, a big broadsword, where uh, green has this, like double-pronged lance because he's got the the tie the smilodon fangs and then uh i think like black has this like serrated sword and red has kind of a more like edged sword as opposed to you know a big flat uh claymore like blue has or like i think red has a broadsword and blue has a claymore something more like that uh, but they've they've all got kind of weapons that match who they are, which is neat. That is neat. Um, I'm and... not sure if the other souls have different all have different weapons because I've well, never gotten a really good now. look at them. But yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna try and uh, keep an eye. But it's we don't get to to see them as easily because they're not usually just sitting there, and you don't have the little ones like dancing around them. Yeah, no, uh, they just. I think that was when I really noticed it was when. Uh, Bonba and Toa first transform and you see the little dudes dancing around them that they had uh, different weapons. Also, Ko and Toa like bickering and tripping each other up during the mook fight was great. Like that, there was a lot of fun choreography there. Yeah. And then Kurion having the mooks line up on the like the jungle gym so that the two of them would crash into the side rails as they went like running at it together. Uh, that was a really fun bit, especially since that's normally such a bad battle plan, but in that instance, it was perfect. Like, Koreon remains one of the best trickster baddies we've seen in a long time, which, for episode four, that's saying something. I, yeah. I don't normally warm up to the bad guys this quickly, but Koreon's amazing! She's just so fun! Especially since she just like, uh, no, nah, we're just gonna go now. You're you're gonna mess up my my dude's feeding, so bye. That's it's just great. And and it's stuff like the the lining up and watching them run into the side rails thing that it feels like you'll only see that from Koreon. Like, there's maybe a couple other bad guys throughout the franchise's history who would pull a move like that, but I can't think of them. So it feels like just a pure Koreon move. Which good like, like again, I, I i feel like it's something that lucky euro could have pulled off if he were evil but he was never really a bad guy it just works so well like it gives Koreon uh an identity which in turn helps ryu soldier have an identity and it's gonna need that because you need to know what your show is and what you're doing if you're gonna do it well and speaking of choreography, the Bonba versus Tank Joe sword fight was incredible. 
Yeah, like, it was. I'm a sucker for, like, flipping the sword around the arm, and just the, the movement in that was so good. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that Tank Joe is going to primarily be Ko's villain because we saw him on screen kill, Toe's men- kill Ko's mentor. Little things. Um, and also Ko is the red. But I kind of hope we get to see more of Tank Joe and Bonba fighting because just they fight really well together. Yeah, they really do. And honestly, having them fight more than just, like, the one guy makes it so much better for me, because, look, I am a sucker for, you must, you and I must have a battle of honor sort of sword fighty bits, because I'm a nerd, I grew up on that stuff, it's great. But it's even better if it's cut through with, and also I hate the rest of your team because they keep punking on me, because I think that's great, because then Tank Joe can hate all of them, and his animosity is like, whatever, I hate all of you, you disgusting fleshlings and it's it's ko who says no you're my bad guy and i i don't know i like that instead of like when they have the bad guy just arbitrarily decide no i i especially hate the red it's like yeah why? it's look everyone has been his, messing with you what's his name was a problem in lupin oh yeah what yeah like why uh, Zamigo. Did, Zamigo, yeah, why did he hate Kyrie so much? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make any They they never quite justified that bit. And they didn't need to have that bit in there at all, because it's just oh he hates the Lupins. Why does he hate the Lupins? They get in the way of his fun. A- and or oh I he doesn't hate the Lupins, he just is like, Oh, I can hurt them more because I know what they're about, because I know their families. Blah. But they and never, they just, he just never did anything. No, no, he didn't. Really a shame. I think I'm just glad that I, we have villains that are constantly interacting with our main cast instead of mostly hanging out in, like, a weird separate dimension. Yeah, Tank, like, the only time you see Koreon or Tank Joe is, hey, what's up, we're here on the human world, and we're wrecking things. Which, you know, it's nice. I, it's, I like... it's been a hot minute. It has. I Honestly, I can't think of the last one where this is the only way you saw them instead of having cutaways to go see what the villain politics are like. God, I, I feel like it might have been Go-Busters. Yeah, I couldn't say. I mean, and every now and then you'd see Enter and Escape like go into the internet to talk to Messiah, but they were mostly just hanging out in reality messing with the Go-Busters. Like, they didn't have a, a satellite or an, another dimension with a mansion or a spaceship or whatever. Like, they just kind of did what they did. Yeah, I mean, like, I imagine we'll eventually get a home base for the, the Druidons, because if the, if the chess theme that you suggested does indeed carry through, like, the king, if nothing else does not move very far from his spot. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll see. I just, And if I we're just, gonna... I like that gonna, even if we're gonna have that place, like, we're gonna be doing stuff with the villains way before we introduce that. Exactly. Like, we're, we're gonna spend however long just like, oh, hey, what's up? The thing about the Druidons is they hang out and they wreck things. It's like they're not sending the monster of the week out from their like isolated place. Nope. 
they're they roll they're the out the doing it, and I appreciate that because man, it really has been a long time. I really GoBusters is the last one that I can think of where that was kind of the way that they did it. I get, honestly, I can't think of another one. I can't either. I guess I haven't seen Bo-Kenger. as many as you. Um, Bokenger, Decaranger. Yeah, Decaranger, they're just around. It's just whatever criminal happens to be there at the time. And, uh, the, the ninjas in Bokenger had, like, a home base, but you never really saw them, like, planning things at their home base. Because there was really only the, the couple of them. And yeah. usually Shizuka would be out doing something. Um, yeah, they... she'd usually have to go, like, she'd have to go out and direct their monster, because their monsters were dumb, because they were made of garbage. They were garbage animated with ninja magic. Don't mess with ninja magic, it's quite powerful, actually. But, like, even, like, the dinosaur guys didn't really have a home base. Uh, I think Gaja just lived in a cave. Yep. But... He didn't, like, he'd go out and do stuff because he really couldn't not go out and do stuff. And then the the questers didn't have a base. They just did whatever they wanted because they were weird demon people from the woods. And then sometimes you'd get Monsters of the Week who weren't related to anyone and just appeared from somewhere. Because Bokenger was just gonna do whatever it did. But I mean, like, the Maji Rangers, they had, like, their little hell place. You know, Ryo and Melee had their evil kung fu house the the guy arc had their island like really you don't see your core villains out in the field all that much and i just i appreciate that tank joe and Curion are like no we're back on this planet and we're we're here to party yep and hey they gotta make sure that their negative emotion crop actually comes to fruition like i love that hey why are they why is Kureon here? Well, she's got to supervise the baby monster. Why is Tank Joe here? So that you don't kill the baby monster. Makes perfect sense. It also explains why it's just these two, because it's the monster maker and the guard. Yeah, they're here to party. When we get more, it's it's going to have to be justified by, oh, well, clearly Tank Joe isn't doing enough, so we need to add in an extra guard or... Koreon's monsters aren't strong enough. Well, we need to bring in Mega Koreon. I don't know, but just... Yeah, I don't know. Then you you bring in... I mean, like, you can replace Tankjo with the Knight chess piece, and you yeah. can replace Koreon with the Bishop chess piece, if Koreon's not the Bishop. Because, you know, he's got the, the Mushroom hat. Could probably be the Bishop hat? No, I, I was thinking the same, yeah. Um, but well, I don't... the other Bishop. I don't yeah, know. Maybe there's don't... two. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's something. They'll figure it out. But, like, it's... There's a lot of room to play, and I'm glad our villains are active instead of passive for once. Same. Same. I mean, like, look, I I enjoyed Dograño, but I'm glad we're not having another year of villain, you know, main boss villain, just yawn, I'm just gonna hang out over here on my chair. Like, just, Dograño sat in a chair for a season. He was great, and you didn't mess with him, but he sat in a chair for, like, 48 episodes. Where, These guys... I mean, like, just... in 
and you know Nero and Noir and Swartz would go out every now and then and when they did they were great but they didn't like leave the house often enough except for that time that Nero and Noir were gonna like fight and then we cut away to commercial and never addressed it again and I'm bitter about that to the end of my days because y'all don't know how much I wanted that no the way that dude was talking to her yeah no like I just wanted the lore I want the lore because, man, they seem like bitter exes, and I need to know about it. You know, you say that, and I'm just like, oh no, uh, her ex, you know, the one she killed and ate? Because that is 100% a thing that happened in Yeah, Dota no, that's, that is textual canon. Yep, and again, I maintain that that's probably just what her hat is made out of. Yeah, probably. Uh, I like to think that it's not that... Uh, oh, what's his name? The bird guy. What's his Nero? Nero, thank you. Sorry, brain just not working great. Uh, that's like that dragon is Nero's brother. Oh, uh, see, my my initial thought was because when I when we first saw the magazine scans for them, because this is back when I allowed myself to look at magazine scans because there were things that people weren't spoiling. I thought they were married. I'm like, oh, look at look at this evil married couple. And then that was not the case. I'm like, oh, no. She, like, they're exes, and she couldn't bring herself to eat him. Aww. So she left him. And oh, he just, he, really never un, he never understood it, so he was just angry. Because clearly he didn't know that she eats her significant yeah, they, other. They don't seem to broadcast that. <laughs> Uh, so, like, you know, he's just bitter that he got dumped for no reason and has to keep dealing with her. And, you know, then she's just angry that she has to keep dealing- like, she's- like, I don't want to deal with these emotions, I got a plan I gotta do. Like, I don't have- I don't have time to have feelings. Dang, if that ain't just a mood. And, like, I wanted that addressed. And I felt like that fight was a great time to, like... Because they clearly had some kind of tension. Whether, oh, yeah. whether or not it was that, they had some tension. And I wanted it addressed in that fight. I wanted, like, their history to come out through banter as they were beating each other up. And we just never saw that fight, and I'm mad about it. That's legit, though. But uh, to not continue talking about Tokyo, <laughs> Which, like, look, we could do. We could and would do, because God, we both love Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo is so good. Anyway, Ryu Soldier. Uh, yeah, um, in episode two, we had this really bad dad situation that was handled really poorly. But now in episode four, I'm actually pretty pleased with the dad situation. Like, maybe he's not the best dad. But he's trying. Like, he's clearly an office worker, which is not great hours because you can't leave your office before your boss does, so working late is pretty common. But, like, he clearly wants to be with his son and, like, play with his son and have this life with him. And I'm assuming that maybe he's a single dad because if his son is in the hospital for a not uh, monster-related thing, the fact that his mom isn't there kind of makes me feel like maybe single dad. Yeah, those are my Which readings. is all the more reason why he wants to do right by his son, but also, you know, he has to 
do his job so he can provide food for him. Food, home, whatever. And, I mean, like, he even brought what are probably some of his son's favorite toys to the hospital, including a cool-looking water gun. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, squid man with water gun arms. And I feel like, you know, that is really the best tie between the host human and their minosaur that they've done so far oh, in, yeah. this, in this show. Because just, you know, between the Minosaur's behavior of a parent trying to play with their child and very subtly tying it to what we see as probably an important game to this father and son, that's really sweet and that's really good visual storytelling. It really is. Like, they're they're doing some next-level stuff in this show, and I I really appreciate it. And on top of that, I also feel like it's one of... Toei Tokusatsu series better attempts to create sympathy for a parent who is trying to be a good parent and is not living up to what they and or their kid would like. Because this isn't the thing where they say, hey, sick child, do not be angry because your dad is having a hard time. Because, frankly, that's how it tends to go. Like, hey, your parents, they're, they're having a bad time, so you can't be mad. Which, mm, not, I don't love that. I'm going to be honest, I don't love it. But this one is instead, yeah, hey, guess what? This situation sucks, but your dad's trying his best. Not even don't be mad, just he's trying. And like, honestly, we don't even really know if the kid is upset with him. No. It's really just his own guilt that he feels like he's not doing enough and he wants to be part of his child's life more. Like, the kid may totally understand and be like, hey, you're, you still, like, I have these toys, we have these memories of playing sometimes when we can. I get it. It's cool. But his dad still feels like it's not enough. On top of, on top of everything else, I just, I'm always happy to see a dad in media who's messed up because they aren't, you know, because they want to be more of an active presence in their child's life. You don't see that often enough. And Yeah, and I mean, like, he's willing to, like, hold his child's hand yeah, and stuff, which I feel like that's even a big deal. I, it feels like it probably should be, yeah. And it's just, there's, there's no onus really placed on the child in this situation. There's no, like, hey, kid, don't be angry about your dad not being home. It's like, they're not even really talking to the child. Yeah, but, which I honestly, I feel like is a much better way to put through this sort of thing, because don't tell the kid how to feel, or the kids at home even. Just help them see that, yeah, you know, their parents are doing their best inside of a crap system. And that's... Like, just show, hey, guess what, kids? The system sucks, but your kid, your parents are trying their best. If you show them that, that's a lot better than, here's a list of reasons why you're not allowed to be angry at your parents, and now you have to forgive them loudly and publicly. Because, boy, there's been, in Toei Tokusatsu, again, coming from good places. I absolutely believe that they came from good places, but <laughs> there was a, they've, they've had a lot more hey, you're not allowed to be mad at your parents' things. Yeah, it's not super helpful. 
No, no. Again, I think it's it's one of those things where maybe I've I have often got the impression, and please understand, dear listener, this is not me saying I've watched some some TV, so I understand all of Japanese sociology. I'm not saying that, but there's been I've often got the impression that there's there's a strong like obedience to your parents thing going on. So like. I get why they're they start at hey here's why you're not allowed to be mad because that's a lot easier to slot into the current sociological paradigm but as things go on people kind of get to the point of hey maybe we could just like hey kids like mm, capitalism sure does suck doesn't it <laughs> makes your parents have to go off and do these things so they can put food on the table so that you don't die it's, uh, it's pretty violent anyway just I think that's neat. And more than anything, after this episode, I just really hope we have opportunities to come back to previous monsters. Like, both as a way to save Toei money, because, I mean, it is still a Toei joint after all, isn't it? But also as a way to bring back some of these people, because I, I know this dude's still got to work, but I would like to find out later that, you know, him and his kid have a good rapport. And, like, Maybe they're going to plan something nice for the kid's birthday, because sometimes you can't do all the, the quantity time you want to do, but you, you get the big moments, because that's what you can budget in time-wise, and that's... Would you prefer to do other than that? Yes, but uh, you don't always have a choice. I just thought they were really affecting, the kid, the, that man and his son. I, they were sweet. And a thing that I thought was really interesting is that maybe Toa is not quite as invested as Banba in the one for the sake of many idea. Because it's not as clear in 3, but in 4, when Ko asks, like, wait, are you going to try and kill that kid? Toa kind of actively looks to Banba for what he's going to do. And I think he's just kind of following Big Brother's lead because he doesn't really know what else to do. And both of them really seem like they've got to think on it. But, like, Bonba's logic makes sense to Toa. But when it comes to killing an eight-year-old, he's got some hesitations. Which, again, thank God, because we've had enough of that over on Zio. <laughs> oh, you ain't kidding. It's, oh. it's a problem when three out of the past four weeks I've had to bring up the ethics of not killing eight-year-olds. Yeah, it's weird that that's a thing people need to discuss. <laughs> that's that's a weird thing. It's it's weird that, you know, three quarters of the past month has been me discussing that. Yeah, uh, but then I guess it's weird that Nazis still exist, so... Yeah, fair enough. I know. Um, so doing rock, paper, scissors with the monster when the monster can only throw scissors because of gun hands is a great joke, and I love so it. Good. That's yeah. that's hysterical. And honestly, it's it's one of those ways that they can that they highlight Ko having that just playful streak a mile wide without resorting to like shouting about how hey everyone look at him and he's funny and blah 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 like it is it is such a subtle thing, but also. Yeah, they never have to say, haha, you can only throw scissors, and I will throw rock with my fist. It's just, it's there, and it's funny, and they just let it be there and be funny, and if you don't catch it, fine. 
Ko's lack of a catchphrase to shout every four seconds while still being a really fun, lighthearted red is probably the best part of this show's writing. Yeah, I... boy, I'd not thought about how little I miss a catchphrase. <laughs> it's It's been a hot minute uh, since we haven't had a catchphrase. Yeah, no. And thankfully, like, the ones in, in Lupot were, you know, they were kind of mellow, but they were still there. We just don't have one here, and it's nice. There's just, they just have their roll calls. And that's, you know what? I'll allow a roll call. I'm down with a roll call. Oh, I yeah. Well, I mean, call. like, roll call titles have been going on forever. Yeah, and I think they're great, but those aren't catchphrases. Thank goodness. I just, oh, sorry, you brought that up, and all I can think is, is... Frickin' frickin' lucky and uh the the Nin in red. Yeah. And how great how like he's actually charming and interesting now that he's not shouting the same catchphrase all the time. <sighs> now that now that he's just an excited bisexual. Yeah. And again, I still I still want them to cast him as some villains. He'd be amazing at Man, it. Man, yeah. Also, um, this this feels like a weird thing to bring up, but I appreciate the mobility of the Dino Knight Rex suit. Because the yeah. actor can run it. He can do a full sprint in that suit. Like, a full high knee run. And, like, without any problems. Like, it looked like a natural human being running in that suit. And he could, like, bounce around and do some pretty slick dodges. Like, we never see that much mobility on a robot suit. No, we really don't. And, and okay, I will say I've missed a fair few Sentai in the interim, but it honestly feels like there haven't been any, or at least not many, suits with that kind of movement since, like, Geki Ranger. Because, like, you know... I. I don't know that Geki Ranger is entirely for me, though I do want to give it another shot sometime. But that show had top-notch robots. Just oh, yeah, the best ones. They're gorgeous. And it's like, just... And watching them move. Ugh. It's just the fact that he starts running... Mm-hmm. And he, the, it doesn't look like the suit actor is struggling is amazing. Yeah, like, I feel like they might have sped things up a little or used some wireframe to assist, but you know what? That's fine. It still looks easy to move in there, and there are definitely a lot of shots where it's... where you just watch, like, the... It, back in episode one, where you, like, watch the feet kick off the, the side of the hill. Like, it... I don't know if it's effects or editing or what, but they... they give that suit an impression of speed, and I love it. It's been so long since we've had a proper fast one that actually looks like it could move. Also, I mentioned this line briefly, but Banba telling the father to just make time for his son because family is more precious than anything feels like some real juicy foreshadowing. Like, I had someone suggest to me that Banba and Toa's mentors may have been their parents, and... That feels like it could definitely be pointing towards that, or if it yeah. may just be how much Bamba wants to protect his brother, because again, whether or not that was their parents, it seems like they're really all each other has. But that line is enough to drive home something about Bamba, 
And it makes me really excited to just see more of him. Yeah, same. Honestly, about both of them, but yeah, I am just so hyped. Like, okay, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure we're gonna get a sixth, because it is a post-Zhu Ranger Super Sentai series, and that's just kind of how this goes. But it's it's kind of nice to have the are the number four and five of the team introduced in a way that feels like it's on the same level as the sixth. They've got their own weird ways of butting up against the status quo, which was only established two episodes prior. And and it's it's just it's neat to see them react to it, and and we have to negotiate our way toward that status quo that it feels like we aren't ever really leaving too far from. But at the same time, these two guys have a different view on it. And I just, yeah, I I enjoy it, and I look forward to finding out their backstories. And if indeed you're correct that their parents were their mentors, or whatever. Because it does feel pretty notable that there wasn't an adult black or green around back at the village. So, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like they probably took off with their mentors to be trained, because they left a while ago. Yep. And the fact that the two of them are reacting to black and green mentor pendants the same way as our original three are in the opening to their mentor pendants by dropping to their knees and screaming in agony makes me feel like the two of them have met their fair share of tragedy already. I It seems like the only way... Well, not the only way, but it, it seems like a defensible way to be like, hey, why are these two dudes so murder-happy? Oh, well, they watch their mentors get murdered in front of them, and they don't have dino knights with which to fight these things. So what they do? Well, they... Uh, They've straight up murdered some people. For the greater good, and in a way that is, relatively speaking, understandable in the short term, but as we discussed previous, uh, not really that helpful. But it just, yeah, they are intensely deep characters, which is saying something, because it's, it's the second time they've showed up, and they're not the sixth ranger in episodes three and four of a Sentai series. <laughs> You, usually you're still figuring out what everyone's archetype is by now. I gotta say, Reeve Soldier's solid. Yeah, yeah. It got, it got soul. Also, Mirror Needle honks like a big dumb goose, and I love him. He just he just ends this episode by making a big ol' honk, mm -hmm. and I love it. Like, please, Reeve Soldier, just have him walk around and just honk. I, I need him honking just all the time. Something tells me you're going to get your wish on that one. I just, and I do want to throw out, I, I also love the robot designs on this show. Okay, except for one bit. That bit where, where Toa took over Dino Knight Rex, which I'm so happy that we've established that's a thing that can happen. I'm looking forward to, to watching them swap out like headmasters. But there's that bit where the robot had, like, cat butt claw hanging off it. That was weird. I didn't I didn't care for that. I should have mentioned that way up earlier, but uh this just made me think of that. I do like that he's got rocket knees though. Yes, that is nice. And it's it's gonna be neat to see what happens when they get Dino Knight Rex Five Nights, because then that's gonna be good. And I just realized that that was a video game, wasn't it? Five Nights at Fridays? Oh yeah. 
Never actually played those games because they didn't look like a lot of fun. Haven't either because I hate haunted animatronics. Oh, the, yeah, that's fair. Um, just I. That is a specific plot device that I just hate. Really? Yeah, it I, makes I mean, me real It makes angry. sense. Like, um, I. I don't like friend. taking children's things and making them horror things. That's legit. I, I will say, like, I was at a friend's house once, and they had some of those big old ball-jointed dolls. I don't know what it was, but it was like, hey, um, could you just move them out of here? Because, like, before I go to sleep, I need them to not be in this room. <laughs> I don't know why. Most of the time, I don't get weirded out by dolls that time. It was just like, nope. Like, I'm, I'm not freaked out by haunted animatronics. I just hate taking things meant for kids to have fun and making them haunted. No, that's fair. And murdery, I mean, like, I just hate that. Not a fan of the horror clown genre, then, I take it. No, not particularly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not yeah. super into clowns, but also, like, just let kids enjoy things. That's not for you. Like, as much as, as, much as I'm real not into Teen Titans Go... They do have, it's, the episode is literally about clowns, but it's also about, like, children's things are not for you, grown-up person. And it's a pretty decent episode. I mean, look, I'm here for it, because, like, every time, I mean, how many times since, like, I was a teenager have I seen, oh, it's the Wizard of Oz, but dark. Yeah, like, oh, it's just... Alice in Wonderland, but dark. Like, it's like, no, that's not for you. Like, Put it down. Like, I had a friend who once said, like, hey, this is how some people process the fact that childhood isn't all happy smile time, and I appreciate that. And that's, if that's how you process, more power to you. I ain't for it. It's yes. not, it's not and for And I mean, me. there's, there's irony of us as two people in our 30s talking about this on a show where we critically review a show meant for eight-year-olds, but the difference is we take it on its own terms. And if you're going to engage with a kid's show on its own terms, fine. That's great. I'm 100% here for engaging with a kid's show and seeing how it can be more, you know, greater than the sum of its parts, but you got to engage with it on the level where it's meant for eight-year-olds. Yeah, because honestly, I feel like that's some of the most interesting stuff because like if someone wants to come up and say like oh it teaches kids that violence is okay it's like well uh, okay i you know i can't honestly fight it in good faith because at the end of the day they solve all the problems by by just wrecking it with their fists and or giant robots fine but also i feel like that's not engaging with it entirely on its own merits because it's it's figurative because it's anyway that's very long thing. I I agree with you, Sono. Because I, I like the bits where we can talk about, oh yeah, this show is actually kind of touching on depression. And how that can mess with you. And how maybe you shouldn't listen to it. Because at the end of the day, with any luck, you've got people around you who will let you know, hey, you were, we still care about you, we're happy you're around. Because, like, look, honestly... For all, for all, a lot of people get, ah, oh, it's so bad when people just want attention or validation. Like, 
Yeah, it's legit to just ask for validation. Like, Sometimes human, human beings are pack animals. Yeah. We yeah. need to exist and be seen by other people. That's how we work. Yeah, it's it's why solitary confinement is considered a form of torture. Just extended time alone. Honestly, I just have times where between depression, anxiety, and a bunch of other brain things, I sometimes just do not go outside. And like, especially when, when I did not live with my partner, that would be like just Aleph alone for multiple weeks at a time except to go to work. And um I that makes you go real weird, man. Yeah. Like even if you go out to work and you come home, a lack of meaningful social contact as a human being as opposed to a cog in someone's machine, it will do things to you. And, like, it's it's all very nice and I'd ran to be like, ah, yes, but I'm the lone person who can blah, 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 blah. Clearly, I do not hold that idea in much esteem. Because <laughs> uh, I've, I've seen so many people, especially, like, guys, but that's just kind of the people I've been around during the point in my life where I would see people try to macho man their way through some stuff. Because dudes are encouraged to not create communities in the same way that that women are. Uh, not saying that it's easy for women either. It's just no. I mean, like that's yeah. just that's One of that the in and of itself is a feminist problem. Is that men are not so, encouraged to create emotional bonds with other men and be yeah, allowed to openly feel an emotion as a human being. Yeah, like you go honestly, like every now and again I'll I'll find myself on the Twitter like just seeing a like a big old conversation where a dude just comes out and says, "Yeah, I I would like to be able to be more emotionally vulnerable with dudes." And then a bunch of dudes just going in and trying to clown on him. And it's just the saddest thing cuz just someone going out and saying, "Hey, I just need someone to validate my existence and to be close to someone who is not also a, a romantic and or sexual partner. And the fact that that is controversial can be... Wow, we're going really all kinds of places this episode, aren't we? Uh, Talk Rhea about Soldier, uncomfortably real. Rhea Soldier's uh, bringing yeah. out the uncomfortable real from the get-go. Yeah. Which I feel like that's a that's some good, some good sentai. Yeah, I mean... Like, the last one that got us this kind of uncomfortable real. Well, I don't know, I didn't feel like Lupot had the deep ones, because, like, Lupot was great, don't get me wrong. Didn't have the, 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 didn't dredge up the deep darkness in the same way that, like, Q-Ranger ended up doing, in spite of the fact that Q-Ranger is, by and large, not very good. <laughs> it's not bad. The problem with Q-Ranger is that when Q-Ranger's good, it's, like, the absolute best of Sentai. And that's only, like, 30% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the time, it's not even bad, it just feels really phoned in. Yeah, I th yeah, that is that is the phrase. But man, like, the other day on a whim, I just went back and rewatched the 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 bit where uh, Balance is in Naga's head. And, like... Naga's evil, and they have to shake the evil Naga out of him, basically. God. 
yeah, guess what? That stuff still holds up. And no, I've forgotten some I've bits. I've become even more mad over time at how Echidna was only in, like, two episodes. No, that's fair, though. It's The problem is that now we've got two Wazes interacting <laughs> constantly. And I'm like, you ruined the only excuse I made for you, Toei. I made the perfect excuse about how this was just too much of a hassle to do regularly. Because it was one actor. And then you did Waz. And you ruined it. So now I just get to be mad about it. Yeah, no. That's fair. Uh, but lest we get off on another on another long tear, um, do we have any any predictions about things we might expect to see in the future of the show? Since Banba seems to be so good with a sword, I hope there's an episode about him and Melto kind of clashing over like, no, I'm the good swordsman on the team. No, I'm the good swordsman on the team. And then kind of bonding over it. That'd like, be... kind of kind of fighting until they're best friends. I was, yeah, I've been kind of thinking the same thing, because while we're watching, I'm like, but I thought swords were Melto's thing, guys. He, he has, he, he could maybe have some other things, but... Mm. And then, you know, maybe Toa getting kind of jealous because his brother is all he has, but now, like, his brother's hanging out with someone, and he doesn't have anyone to hang out with otherwise. Oh. So, like, playing off those dynamics, I think, could be really interesting, especially if Melto is sort of an other in the way I feel he might be. I think they could do some real interesting stuff with the three of them. I, I have to agree. And thankfully, with Honestly, all the charging through the show's doing, I get the impression we might actually have time to get to some of those interesting character moments and combinations. I definitely do want to see more stuff with that, and also with, like, Toa and Asuna chilling, because I just, I don't know, I think that'd be neat. Or maybe I feel I just... like the two of them definitely have, like, I feel like they they would, like, passive-aggressive each other into being best friends. Exactly. And I want to watch that happen. And also, I just honestly just want more Asuna. True. Preferably, Fair. like, picking up something large and throwing it onto uh, Toa, because Toa's being a butt. Just, just like, shoving him, and he just, like, f his, he just flies out of his chair and across the room. Yeah, just occasionally. Honestly, I want to see the episode, and I hope it comes up soon, where they react to the fact, like, Whoa, Pink's strong? And the other guys are like, Oh, right, you don't know. Pink's strong. It's like, oh, yeah. You've you've never really hung out with her. Pink's strong. But but why Pink's strong? Oh, Pink's strong, though. Mm. But, and then they're uh, just like, well, I guess Pink's strong. Yep. Also, don't mess with her. She will end you. Uh, so do we have any other final thoughts before we close off this episode? Uh, no, just, you know, I'm still excited for more. Yeah, give me, same. Give me more of this show. Yeah, that is weirdly just dredging up everything. Ah, stupid, stupid Sentai. Anyway, uh, for Laser Knees and the rest of the TOL Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sona. And don't get kicked by a horse and die.